just. I was sitting in a petrol station last night and I was coming and oh mother of god the window got tapped three <laughs> times in ten minutes they are that mad. was the one lad yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, 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 they're mental about it yeah, that's don't go to rock subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember Effortless shave, magnificent mo. Delighted to say we have Duncan McMath with us. He's the director of the new Ronaldo documentary. Duncan, good morning to you. How are you? Morning, guys. How are you doing? How has the response been? You've you've put the film out into the uh, the public sphere. Um, this, I guess, is the most uh, slightly um, bit where you've got a bit of trepidation, where everybody starts to see the movie. What's the response been like so far? Yeah, t- to be honest, uh, fantastic. Um, yeah, just the the comments coming in have just been very very positive. I'm yet to I'm yet to read a, a negative one, <laughs> so so that's uh, it's it's been really nice. But but I'll be honest with you, it wasn't re- nearly as nerve nerve wracking as when we took the film to to show Ronaldo. That was kind of the make or break moment because although he didn't have editorial control, he um, his opinion was obviously vital, um, and we'd agreed obviously that we'd take it into account. And we took it to to show him a couple of months ago in London. Uh, he was filming a Nike ad for, for the World Cup um, and we, we rented a cinema space, showed him the film. He turned up with a couple of his mates, his agent, his, his, his wife, um, his, his, his entourage. And we put the film, he, t- he said to me before, I'm nervous. I said, oh, you're bloody nervous. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm quaking here, um, shaking. Um, and and we, we watched the film with him. And he came out in tears and he, and he looked at me and he says, I, I can't, I can't even talk. I can't, I, I can't, I can't tell you how good it was. He, he said he cried three times and um, the client was there and asked him if he wanted us to make any changes. And he said he wouldn't change a second. So, you know, that was, that was the best review I'll ever get. I think. Wow. That's class. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. So this nervousness is, is totally fine. What? So <laughs> walk us through that bit, will you? Where it's like uh, the lights are going down and are you looking at him? Are you just looking forward the whole time, going, I'm not going to look at him, not going to look at him? Can you hear him crying during the movie? Are you like, oh, this, is he crying because he hates it? it? What's that bit like? Yeah, no, I was, whenever we've had these these screenings, I sort of sit at the back and I like to watch people watching it. Um, and yeah, you just you just want them to laugh at the right times um, and, and be emotional at the right times. To be, to be honest, the cinema was pretty dark, so I couldn't really see his facial expressions and he had his back to me. But I mean you could hear a pin drop throughout the the 90 minutes, which is always a good thing. And I remember we, um, he's, he's a real pro. He's, he's a lovely guy, which I think comes across in the, in the film, but he's a real pro as well. And we, and we, um, we produced El Presidente, which is the, the six part series about him at rail via the lids. And to start off with, you know, we, we hadn't sold the series to anyone. We went to him and his agents with the idea and they basically said, listen, we'll open the doors, film it, let us see episode one. Um, and we'll make a decision. So again, that was that was quite nerve wracking when we showed him episode one and, and we took it to Madrid to show him that. And I'll, I'll never forget that he walked because we, we've shown the film and, and, and previous films and series to a lot of people. And and the mobile phone is so frustrating. And if, if you're showing someone a film and, and their mobile phone is vibrating on the, on the table or they're kind of glancing at it every now and again, it, it's, it's really off putting as, as a filmmaker. And I remember we, we showed him episode one of El Presidente. He walked in. He sat down. He turned his phone off, put it upside down on the table, pushed it away from him, and he was glued to the screen for 40 minutes. Um, and, and it was very similar when we showed him the film. You know, it was, it, We just had his entire attention for, for that 90 minutes, and, and he loved it. And, and I'm 
gutted that I wasn't in Brazil for the, for the for the premiere because I'd love to have seen his mum's reaction as well because um, I don't know what you guys think but I think you know she, she's a, she's a star and you can see in the film where he gets his charisma and his um, and his sense of humour from because she comes across brilliantly and she's great in the emotional moments but she's also very funny at the end when she talks about um, seeing him after winning the World Cup and asking him what the hell he's done with his hair. Um, and you know, I'd I'd love to have seen her reaction. That's that's another person I'd love to have watched watching the film. Yeah, she's definitely one of the characters that that uh, that stands out, Duncan, for sure. I mean, it, it's it's mad. Like I was watching it last night, and and the tension you've built from the very outset in terms of ninety eight, and and for people who maybe aren't familiar with the story, they 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 will watch those opening scenes and be like, Jesus, this is this is incredible because. You realise how big football is in Brazil when, you know, I think there's one moment at the start where one of the Brazilian reporters gets the official FIFA team sheet and he's like, turn that camera around so I can, you know, tell the people of Brazil something. And this news that Ronaldo appears not to be in the starting eleven, like those moments must have been just quite, um, it must have been quite incredible to get that footage for starters. Uh, yeah, there's, there's so much of that footage that when it came in, we were, we were, we were dancing in the editing suite. Um, but I mean, that that's part of, um, the success of this documentary, the, the the hours and hours and hours of archive footage that we've we've watched, and you know, there's obviously been a big team of producers working on this, a big team of, of archive producers from all over the world, and and that's what's enabled us to get those kind of images that you're talking about. I mean, we, we looked at over 300 hours of of, of archive footage. Um, we've got got this footage from 80 different providers internationally. Um, We've looked at 2,500 different photos. You know, there's, there's a lot of pre-production that's gone into this. And as you say, when you're digging that deep, you do find absolute gems. And, and um, luckily for us as well, you know, the, the South Americans, and especially in Brazil, football is, is so huge. And they've, they've got that little bit of drama as well. You know, you, you can't really imagine John Watson saying, turn those cameras on me. I want to speak to England. You know, that, that comes with that kind of South American... Uh, Latino kind of um, style of broadcasting, and definitely in moments like that, uh, you know, it was it was helpful. Like there's there's deep moments as well where, where like, and that injury that um, those moments where Ronaldo's in the the hotel room with Roberto Carlos bef- before that on the afternoon of that night he had final and and he collapses and he's just he's clearly not well and it emerges that he's had some sort of a, a I guess a nervous breakdown of of sorts. But like even yeah. when he's in modern day sitting there with Roberto Carlos and they're kind of trying to reflect on, on what happened and all the conspiracy theories around it. One of the lines that really stood out was he's talking about the mental health of athletes and he says we were like gladiators just thrown out into the arena. And, and that, that's something that really stood out to me is they, they were just used and, and Ronaldo was this global phenomenon and he's just being used for his for his pure talent. I totally agree. And, and that was that was that was really key. And I'm really pleased you said that because. Um, I think there's a scene early on which I'm sure you'll remember because it's very impactful when he comes out of an airport and he's he's 21 at that stage mm. he comes out of an airport and he's absolutely mobbed by press by fans you know he, he can't move he's got cameras in his face um, he's got journalists mics being shoved in his face he's got fans singing one two three Ronaldo is our king he gets bundled into a car and then the car can't move because there's that many fans around him and, and you can just hear them revving the engine trying to get away and for us, that's that's on screen for 52 seconds. And that was really, really important right at the beginning because we've, we've built up to this moment where he's the best player in the world and, and you've seen him um, doing his thing at, at Cruzeiro, then at PSV, and then, then at Barca, and then at Inter. 
and then suddenly you see the impact of that fame um and i think for a lot of people watching you know we've we've all worked with footballers um for for many years and 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 we know that it's not all glitz and glamour but i think nowadays they've got it a lot easier than than they did 20 years ago i think probably ronaldo was the prototype of the modern day superstar footballer but at that stage they didn't have uh, the entourage around him to protect him he didn't have the bodyguards he he wasn't protected he didn't live in the bubble that the, the modern day footballers live in and i'm not saying that it's not difficult nowadays and and, I'm, and i know that the pressure gets gets to players but you don't see footage like that of the cristiano ronaldos of the messis you know they're bundled into a into a car taken to the back entrance taken up into their 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 hotel rooms you know it's 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 just not the same and i wanted to make that that was very important to me because early on in the interviews with ronaldo we we spoke about the pressure and even the fact that you know we call the film the phenomenon but actually when you watch it he doesn't like the nickname um and early on you hear him say it was just added pressure that i didn't need at that stage i was 21 years old i just got to to europe and people were calling me the phenomenon and a phenomenon can't fail can't stop scoring goals um so the whole of part 1 of the documentary is very much a build up of this pressure just to show uh the the level of pressure that are on these these footballers and especially on ronaldo at that t- at that time at such a young age and then the reason for what happened in 1998 which which in itself was i'm 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 really pleased you enjoyed that scene and and we really enjoyed putting it together because i don't think it's ever been put together kind of chronologically as we did before but that was a real challenge because obviously none of that footage exists you know you hear all these um stories of what could have happened the day of of the 1998 final and I, I don't know about you guys but for for years and years i believed it was mind games i really believed that it was it was brazil um kind of trying to trying to mess with france before that final um and then you start hearing things about a fit and then you start to hear, hearing things about illness and an injury and and you don't really know what to believe but to hear ronaldo basically say as as you've just said that it that it was a nervous breakdown um you know it's 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 really it's really impactful um and it just shows the pressure that he was under at that young age and uh, here's the thing like there's a good chance as is documented in the in the movie that like the redemption arc doesn't reach its proper conclusion that he doesn't win the world cup in 2002 because he's not even part of the world cup squad because the people weren't managing his injury properly afterwards like this could have been one of the great tragedies in sport uh, sporting tragedy obviously um as opposed to this incredible comeback story yeah absolutely no 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 you and, and that's what makes it such an incredible redemption story i think if he'd have you know if it wasn't for the injuries if if it's still a, it's still an incredible story with with just what happened in 19 the fact the fact that you know six 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 hours before um the the world cup final this guy's being rushed to hospital um in itself is an incredible story the fact that he kind of checks himself out of the hospital tells them to drive him to the the stadium walks into the change room and, and says i'm playing and and Zagallo changes the starting 11 45 minutes before kickoff you know it's that that in itself is an incredible story um and the fact that they go on to lose and that he's blamed etc etc but then the redemption story is is even greater and i and i think possibly the greatest in in football and, and one of the greatest in sport because of what happens afterwards because of those injuries and and not just because he picks up an injury and um and gets better and then goes to the world cup but he picks up 
you know, two back-to-back injuries. Experts in America are telling him, knee surgeons that are, are world-renowned are telling him that he'll never play football again. Um, and not only does he play football again, he goes to the World Cup, he scores eight goals in seven games, he's he's a top scorer at the World Cup, and, and he wins Brazil's fifth um, championship. I mean, the, the story is incredible. I've always said from the start, like, I, I really wanted to put up, at the beginning of the film, I wanted to put up um, a graphic saying this is a true story, um, just to kind of reflect. You know, not it's not based on a true story. You know, this what you're about to watch kind of defies belief um, because it is one of the greatest redemption stories of all time. I feel unbelievably fortunate um, and lucky to to have directed it and to have worked with Ronaldo and and worked with this story because it's it's just something you feel like you. You can't. You couldn't script it. It feels like a Hollywood screenplay, and yet it's real. And you've got the protagonist from the time, basically telling you the story. And that's one of the reasons as well that we wanted to use so much archive footage because I wanted to just show that this is this is real. And 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 then going back to the idea of putting this is a true story at the start of the film, which unfortunately the clients weren't too keen on, but just the fact that you know you're watching archive from the time that's telling this story i I really wanted it to be an immersive experience that um we use as much archive as possible and and you'll see very few talking heads i think it's important to see talking heads at times because um you know there's there's real emotion there but they're never on screen for very long because we wanted to throw you back into 1994 and then take you to 98 and then gradually kind of bring you on that journey with us from 1998 to 2002 and as you say it's there's real tension and, and ronaldo kind of reflects that in, in his memories of that time. There's real tension as to whether or not he'll go to 2002. It's, it's, not, it's not made up. You know, it's true. And you've got Scolari, the manager, saying that he thought that at the time there was a 95% chance that Ronaldo wouldn't make it. Um, and then obviously last minute he does. And, and luckily for, for us and for the story and for Ronaldo and for the Brazilians and for football, you know, he makes it in 2002 and, and the rest is history. When you talk about the fact that it's it's kind of Hollywood and you've got your protagonist, Duncan, I guess a good Hollywood film needs its Cruella Deville and and Hector Cooper. I mean, he's the he's the bad boy. He's the villain of this of this entire yeah. film. And I think like there's a point at which Ronaldo, I think, says he was the worst coach I ever had. Uh, right. You know, and doing four kilometer runs at the start of each training session, he's not getting in the te- the inter team before that 2002 World Cup. He really comes across, and then there's of course the whole Argentina versus Brazil dynamic as well, and the rumours. But uh, he comes across as a real, real uh, villain in the movie, Hector Cooper. He does. We always talked about two two baddies, two villains in this film, and, and one was the knee, and we really wanted to to kind of reflect how frustrating that knee was and and if it wasn't for that knee and so many people have said that to me over the last few weeks and months and and just reading the comments on social media um, since the film went out people saying you know if it wasn't for that bloody knee he would have you know he would have been the greatest of all time and I think that's probably that's probably very true and and I think he's right up there anyway despite almost four years where he where he barely played um but but yeah the other the other um the other villain is, is of course, Hector Cooper. And, and you just, it, those four years, you know, we've always, we always talk about this film as a film of contrasts because with every up, there's a down for Ronaldo during these, these four years. Everything until 1998 had been a kind of gradual um, journey of, of success um, to, the, to the extent that he, he wins the, the Ballon d'Or at the age of 21 and he's going into the World Cup in 98 as the greatest player on the planet. And then suddenly... 
you get what happens that the fit um, just before the final, um, then you get the first knee injury and, and the fact that in, in that first season back into a quite poor and, and the fans are getting on their back. Then you get the second knee injury straight after that. And then after that, of all managers to come and, to come and take charge of Inter, you get kind of this defensive, um, very pragmatic manager that doesn't want stars in his team. And you just think, you know, where, when's, when's he going to get a break, this guy? It's just... It's just bad news after bad news for Ronaldo until 2002. And then, and then in the film, one of my favourite lines is when his mum says, and that's when the story started to change, when, when Ronaldo finally gets picked for, for the squad in 2002. Because as a viewer, I wanted you to be able to relax at that point and think, OK, you know, we've, 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 we've spent sort of the last hour and a bit just being taken through this kind of... Uh, this, this tension and this stress of, of what's been almost like you said almost a tragedy and then just at the last minute luckily there's there's um there's the success that comes from from being picked and going to the, the world cup and then and then winning it but yeah hector cooper's kind of is the last straw in that journey of tension and, and disaster and it's just like you know crikey um ronaldo could have got just about any other manager and that last year before the world cup would have just been a smooth ride he'd have played plenty of games he'd have been managed right and he'd have you know, got back into the world World Cup squad without too much tension and, and and worry. But in the end, you know, it's right it's right to the to the to the wire as to whether he'll go or not. And and that's certainly down to, to Hector Cooper and, and we do build up that that villain status that he has. Um I have to say as well that there is a line from Hector Cooper which helps me enormously and, and certainly helps my guilt um to, to set him up as a, a, a as the villain because Hector Cooper himself says you know, if being unpleasant to Ronaldo works, then, you know, that's fine with me. And you think, right, well, that's that's enough to set him up as a villain, I think. Yeah, it definitely it definitely works. Um, it, it, one last thing, the conspiracy theories about Nike forcing him to play and all that kind of stuff from 98. Uh, he, I know he's talked about it before, but as you say, you're the first kind of people who've actually done this whole thing chronologically and, you know, gone to the source himself. We can blow that conspiracy theory up now. Is that is that official, do you think? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that's that, that that's it's 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 certainly not true. And, and I tell you what, um, researching this, and I don't know if you remembered, and and if you noticed, because at one stage during that um, conspiracy theories edit, there's a there's a headline that comes up from a from a Brazilian newspaper that says um, Nike paid off Brazil, says Edmundo, and there was a time where Edmundo was recorded in a Brazilian bar telling a friend that he thought that Nike was behind the fact that Ronaldo um, ended up playing. And that obviously, um, that recording then got sold to the press and that went massive um, in Brazil. But then, you know, that was recanted by by Edmundo and, and he kind of said, you know, I was, I was, I'd had a few drinks in a bar and, 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 it, and uh, it meant nothing. And he was brought up in front of the court as well when Ronaldo was, was forced to go to, well, it was, it was the, the Brazilian parliament and explain what happened. Edmundo was there too. Um, and 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 did at the time say that 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 wasn't true, but that that certainly didn't help. Um, but no, I think there's absolutely no no truth in it. And and you know when when you're digging into these stories and you're interviewing journalists who were working on that, on that story at the time, you know that the consensus is that why on earth would Nike want an athlete who's not well to go out and represent them? You know it wasn't. It wasn't an image that Nike want to be associated with. Ronaldo losing the World Cup final and, and being ill and potentially being accused of, of making him play. You know, it's, it doesn't make any sense from a commercial 
um, perspective, and 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 definitely there, there was you know there was there was no truth in it. That that scene though was quite funny. It was quite difficult to get Ronaldo to be serious because he he just kept talking about all these ridiculous conspiracy theories, and he and he was really laughing at the fact that you know he, he was telling about us about all these all these theories that he heard, and, and one of them was that you know that there there was even an agreement between the Brazilian and the and the French governments that they would let Brazil win the World Cup in exchange for a certain amount of money. And you just think, crikey, there's, you know, there's, there's nothing that people wouldn't say. Um, and as Ronaldo rightly points out, it was the start of the internet. So any little theory was being published and people were reading it and believing it. And, well, and you know, it's, uh, imagine if Twitter had been around. Like. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, he himself says it's the start of fake news. So there you go. There you go. Uh, it all comes back to that. Um, last thing then, Duncan, if anybody else was on uh, BBC4 already, if people want to go and see the film, what's the best place to get their hands on it? Um, well, um, it's on iPlayer. So, um, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's where to get it in terms of um, on the BBC. Um, it's, it's on the zone in, in, in other territories around the world and, and it's on Globo in, in Brazil, which has been, been a huge success. Um, but yeah, in, um, in the UK, it's on it's on iPlayer. Well, listen, you've done justice to uh, the phenomenon. Thanks a million for joining us this morning. We wish you the very best of luck with it. Thanks a million. Thank you guys very much. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mode.